So beginning the retreat with a, with a bang, the Natalakana Sutta, what an incredible teaching this was given to these group of five diligent practitioners on the characteristic of non-self, the not-self characteristic. That, and this is where the Buddha portrays the five aggregates, rupa form, near or far, coarse or gross, any form whatsoever, not-self. How can this be said to be self, impermanent, changeable? How can this be said to be something constant, abiding, that you can really say, place your refuge on, place your trust in, say, this is where I really am, on this thing, form, shifting like a candle flame, day after day, and then even the grossest form shifts over a lifetime, but a subtle form feel the energy form of your own body is shifting all the time. Sometimes it feels compressed, tight, heavy, sometimes kind of sick, sometimes going all over the place, giddy, sometimes bright, expansive, you know, firm like a rock, and then tense and tight. It's a changeable experience, the experience of form, you have four elements, sense of pressure, earth, heat, warm, vitality, fire. Water, cohesiveness, fluidity, suppleness, air, movability, breathing, moving through the body. Do you ever feel clogged up? Do you ever feel stale, stagnant? Do you feel tight, compressed, or lacking ground? This is four elements. You can't trust them as something you can rely upon. So the Buddha goes through the five aggregates. Vedana feeling, most obviously, changing all the time, every time it shifts, something in us twitches. Oh, oh, ah. <laughs> Pleasant, unpleasant feeling, near or far, coarse or fine. Physical sensations, physical feelings, mental feeling really gets one going. Yomanasa, solmanasa, depression, sadness, happiness. Feeling is a tone, the tone that things have, the pleasurable, the agreeable tone that things have, or disagreeable tone that things have. It's how it weigh, can weigh one down. One looks for the pleasant feeling, the pleasant space, the calm, the just the right. And the dang thing doesn't last long enough. You can't place anything on it. You can't rest upon it. You can't make it your own. Sanya, perceptions, impressions of oneself, of others, of life in general, of Chitta Viveka Monastery, of Theravada Buddhism, of the daily routine, of whatever, you know, trying to find a snug place in that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Not so easy. You know, we get really riled when it doesn't work. But the five aggregates don't work, that's the point. <clears throat> Sankara formations, programs, mental activities, one's own and others. Annoying, exciting, intriguing, convincing, exasperating. One's own you know, psychological behaviours and other people's 
damn, why she do that? Why is he like that? Irritating, confusing, completely out of it. You know, watch one's own sankaras rolling around, trying to find the right place. Best you can do is kind of, you know, calm them, soothe them, try and get them to roughly in the, like a sheepdog, kind of herd them into a, into a nice pack and get them running in the right direction, maybe. One's always running out sooner or later. Some little irritating thought or poignant emotion. Sankaras are things you get you going, the action stations, the, the alarm signals, the go for it. That's what it feels like. Conjoined with all the others. Consciousness, vijnana. That which makes something present for us. How at this particular moment, what we can perceive through the eyes, ears or whatever we're looking through, seems this is really the reality of where we are. Really is sitting here. In fact, on the level of consciousness, that's all it can be. And yet you know that in an hour's time it's not going to be there. Somewhere else, mental consciousness, some nice space one's in, or you know, it's refined, subtle, and then gotta go and do the washing up. <clears throat> the consciousness, vinyana, that which makes something present for us, the presentation of reality through the senses and through the mind. And of course, you know, if there's nothing else but this, we we really try and find some way in which we can make all this not work. It's natural enough. Everyone wants the happiness. It's a fundamental instinct. Uh, Buddha is trying to teach us happiness, but he's saying you don't find it in this, but you can find it in the way that you handle these. You use the sankara to handle the sankaras. The sankara is the aggregate that winds up all the others, gets them into desire, craving. Sankara is the aggregate that binds all the others together. Sankara says things like, this is myself, this is his self, that's her self, that's who she is, that's who he is, he's one of those, she's one of them, they're one of those, they're the, you know. Sankara binds things together. That's its relationship in terms of overseeing the other aggregates. It keeps the whole bag of tricks going as something that one could be. So the twofold process of calm and insight is calming the sankara to say, well, okay, you know, this is, this is a, like holding a, a snake or holding a dragon, holding a tiger, you know, because this thing can really do you some harm. It can really make your life miserable get into your skin, into your heart, and just go chewing away. Buddha, one of his suttas on the five aggregates, called it the chewing up. Kadaniyang Sutta says you're chewed up by the five aggregates. They're like five robbers you left into your house. You thought they were servants, so you invited them in. They said they'd come and help you. They steal everything and, and, and kill you instead. This is the five kundas. <laughs> Very graphic, isn't it? You, know, you feel how chewed up one gets over them. Disappointed. Internally, externally. Other people's aggregates let me down. His sense of humour. Yeah. 
irritates me. Her behaviour disappoints me. His, his, this is not the way I'd like to do it. You know. And yet the calming of these is our, each individual responsibility to calm, to grab our own tiger, start feeding it with some, some metta, feeding it with some calm, feeding it with some breathing. You know, just take a rest there, boy. You, know, you don't have to fight. Stay in your own ground. You know, stroke it, soften it. And then insight. Insight is the uh, practice of, of cutting things apart. It says, what does this depend upon, this thing that seems so solid and real and exactly what I am, what I need, what I have, what I could have, what I should have, what would be really good to have, what I've got to get rid of. What is this thing anyway? And you start to recognize that that thing, internally or externally, is just something that one's compounding. This is insight. So we consider like, you know, myself, which is a source of great concern to me. When I try to find out what it is, well, is it the feeling? Is it the body? Is it the... It's generally the sankara, the sense of, well, I'm this and I want to be that, and why isn't life working for me? What's that? Where's that? Can we step back? Can we watch? Can we be with that? Can we handle that? Can we look at that? Can we say what's it? What's needed to get that tiger back in its right abiding place, where it'll settle down? So first of all, say, well, this is what you could rely upon. <coughs> Naturally, the thing is like a try and train a cat, it's not easy. You just keep coaxing it. This is what you could rely upon. You could rely upon the Four Noble Truths. You could rely upon the possibility of, of relinquishment, of letting go. You could rely upon calm. You could rely upon faith. You could rely upon energy. You can rely upon indriyas like that, mindfulness. You can rely upon those kind of applications. You know, yeah, you can do that. Put yourself into the uh, supportive faculties. And even these, of course, are not self, they're just separate things. So we're not expecting, so that idea of self and others is something that when that arises, you're looking at what does that refer to? Is a person truly the behavior they manifest in one morning? Or is that a sankara? No, this isn't saying it's right or proper, but just putting it in its place. Our sense of personal application in putting these sankharas into the place is our responsibility. The Buddha says it's threefold, really. You have the responsibility of sila, morality, proper conduct, 
you have the responsibility of meditation, steadying, calming, introspective, really reviewing, steadying the mind, and you have the responsibility of panya, seeing it clearly, seeing clearly, you know, dividing it up. This is this, this is that. This is a good quality in me. This is an unskillful quality in me. This is where my pain gets worse. This is where it gets better. So you're looking like that, not at yourself, but at the particular qualities that arise, which would be supported, which would be relinquished. This is really a training that begins with sila and is refined, particularly in this, uh, in our training here, the holy life. Appropriate attention to where we speak, where we move, where we look after the monastery, what we refrain from. Sila, which is brought up, emphasizes a strong degree of restraint and even attention. So it's that, that principle of you know, what they call their refined training. You know, we hopefully we don't need a lot of urging around not killing or stealing or lying. But uh, just noticing the sense of the evenness of one's care and attention to to uh, where one speaks or refrains from speaking. Here we go around our duties. Where you wear your robes, coming into the hall, bowing, composing oneself. And looking at where one can, uh, you know, sharpen that up. Because if we come in as, with that feeling of, oh, okay, here I'm coming to the hall, sit down, do my meditation, already it's not really a, a sharp or alert basis. Really, it should be the sense of the anticipation, the sensations in the feet, the sense of opening the door, the sense of space, the sense of listening, the looking, finding a place, setting it up properly, bowing three times, composing the body. You know, it's like moment, moment, moment. If we come in with that idea of, oh, it's a meditation period, got to get meditating or really don't want to do this or whatever it is already it's inappropriate attention finishing then rather than I'll go off and do something else it's a sense of coming out of the meditation clearing up, taking all your gear out so the hall is left as if you never entered it taking out your wraps and cloths and chanting books and things like that, so that when you come in, it's like that quality of clarity, emptiness, openness. This doesn't belong to anybody, this place. It's not a place to store things up, store one's gear, keep that in your own place. This is not the place for that. Things like that, you keep that appropriate attention, skillful attention. Mm -hmm. The Buddha is called Vijacharana uh, Sampano, the one who is impeccable in conduct, charana, and Vijacharana, clarity, insight, seeing, and charana, conduct, where behavior. 
He said, actually, the ways of behavior are relatively basic. You know, you don't have to be a Buddha to do that. You know, but we start with that. That gives us our faith that the things that we can do, we're not Buddhas to target us, but what we can do, we, Buddha does that, so we, we get somewhere on the same track of that. You know, you're on the same track. Something you can put your finger on, something you can really relate to, is a sense of clear, impeccable conduct, not elaborate, but clear, clean. Keeping it minimalist, keeping it straight. So most of the Buddhist conduct is about refraining from things he doesn't talk about, things he doesn't clutter himself up with. This is a very good uh, uh, thing to recollect. Some of it's not going out doing all kinds of stuff, but the stuff we, we clear away to leave the mind open, spacious, ready for work, not carrying a whole load of stuff. So we do that externally, and uh, by and large it's, uh, I see that people do apply themselves, there's a very good sense of application to that, awareness of that, and uh, it's a constant you know, ongoing practice, and you get a nice feeling out of that. This is something definitely you can do. So I think for me it's quite a relief because the uh, first few years I couldn't really meditate very much. did a lot of it, sitting there, but the quality wasn't that great. But kept going at it. What I could do was learn to chant. What I could do was clean the bowl. What I could do was keep my robes tidy, what I could do was look after the agile, what I could do was learn to walk in a hall without thumping around, closing a door behind me rather than let it crash. I could do that. There's something you feel, oh yeah, that was nice, clear, bright feeling to it. You know, and, and in the moment, it's not a big deal, it's not like a big attainment, I close the door. <laughs> Maybe it is for some... <laughs> Didn't drop my bowl on the floor. Yeah. But then you're getting some leverage, you know, some on the laziness or the impatience or the blurring of the mind. You're really starting to get the sankharas, you're starting to put a rope around them. The tiger. You can gradually draw it in and it starts to feel, actually feels more comfortable in this this ground. Still sankaras, it's still formations, but at least you're calming them and training them so they're not running wild. The other extreme, one can get obsessive about it. You know, kind of pride oneself upon it, look down upon others, so you look at that particular formation. As if one has attained something through that, or is some really impeccable being because of that. Who's the impeccable being? With conceit and so on. So, we do this in order to relinquish, not in order to become something. To relinquish the blurring, the fuzziness, the uh, impatience, the impetuousness of the mind. And it's use, very useful. You start to see it can be trained, and there's a benefit of it. 
Vijayacharana Sampano, the Buddha. In fact, the Buddha didn't even call himself a Buddha. Very rarely did the Buddha ever refer himself to as Buddha at all. Strange that that's the word that's stuck. Because normally it's Tathagata. Tathagati means gone. Gone thus, thus gone. It's as impossible to define, beyond conceiving, beyond definition. Yeah. It's also, it's really come here. It means someone is just impeccably, something that's just impeccably present, and yet present with what? Well, one thing he said, well, you can't define a Tathagata, but a worldling, someone who's not a enlightened, would say he has Vijayacharana Sampano, very good conduct, impeccable conduct, clarity. So this is what we start with, isn't it? And then, you know, it's there to establish this sense of even attention, unflurried, unflustered attention. Intention is not held internally or held externally. It's not an obsession with outward things. It's not an obsession with inward things. It's evenly, internally, externally regarding oneself and regarding others with that even quality. This is appropriate attention. The Buddha said, well, you know, the, all the hindrances that we suffer from are fed by inappropriate attention and they're mastered through appropriate attention. Inappropriate attention, we look at that which causes irritation in the old world. We get mesmerized with it, we pick at it. We look at that, we regard that which causes, gives us sensual desire. We fondle it, we play with it. We hide it, bring it out and when the, we're getting bored. Dullness, the mind just doesn't want to bother. Blurred, not just sleepy but kind of casual. So you bring attention to that which causes atapi, vigour, ardour. Enthusiasm, you know, go for it. It's the way you order your body, the way you keep a room clear, gives you the sense of atopy, not clustered, not, not cluttered. These are ways we train towards the restlessness. We start to think of the future, plans, start to move into that area of the mind, start spinning around with abstracts. So, you know, something we don't defeat. You know, when we go on retreat, it's the opportunity, supportive opportunity, to not have to do all that. The mind then settles down because you're not feeding it with things that, well, I could do this well, maybe then, there, plan this, figure that, you know. You know, give attention to that. Give attention to that which is here. Body. Feeling of the body. Breathing in the body. The posture of the body. Walking step at a time. Draw, get a rope around the tiger. You know, not throttling it, but just give it somewhere to 
to move where it's not pinned down, but it's not running out. Doubt, skepsis, wavering. Should I? Could I? Will I? Won't I? Yeah, about the future. Doubt is about something we don't know, aren't certain. Topics that give rise to that. So something in us wants to think a bit more about those in order to get them figured out. This is how one gets involved with it. Just to give it a bit more thought, we'll get to the end of that query. Just need to figure it out. But thought takes you to speculative thought, takes you to speculative doubt. The more you feed into it. And uh, so what is it beyond doubt? Uh, Buddha asked us and recommended and encouraged us for our welfare to bring to mind uh, the emotional currents, you know, the, the underlying proclivities, uh, grasping, holding on, the four noble truths, are we letting go? Are we building up that which causes us to carry a weight? I am, I will be, I should, I'm not. When we see this, oh, this is the doubt, this is the uncertainty, how does it feel in the body? So in terms of the very direct practice, when you establish this even, you only proper attention or appropriate attention, can use the body as a form for appropriate attention. Feel, because this is where you can turn these uh, sankara energies around, things that you get feel dull around. You feel it in your body, kind of dull, stale, or restless and agitated, tight, defensive, gripped around the heart, tight around the throat. Yeah sagging, whatever, just breathe, this is what we do, anapanasati is a healing meditation, metabhavana is a healing meditation, you bring the two together, and just breathing that through your body, through the angst, through the nervous twitches and flutterings and giddiness of it. Breathe your mind into your body, breathe your mind down your arms, into your fingers, breathe your mind through your body, yeah. And it's uh, this is what this is a kind of very basic meditation, and yet, of course, the mind always has one more trick up its sleeve to, you know, get us out of that. Thing near or far, but look at what they are. Is it about the future? What's that? Is it about the past? What's that? Is it about yourself? Who's that? Is it about someone else? Are you sure? You know, we stick these things together as real and fixed and we try to make them right. These are just manifestations of the aggregates. Properly handled, Buddha said, one nibida, one becomes dispassionate, one becomes disenchanting, one breaks out of the spell of the five aggregates. He doesn't say you achieve luminous consciousness. He says consciousness is understood and you're not fascinated by it anymore.
Nibbida, one doesn't dig into it. You don't step over the threshold and buy it. So it's there. So it's this kind of turning away, turning back from that uh, feeling, perception, form. But it's not anything other than that. So one of the other reflections on anatta, this is not myself, and the absence of this is not self. It's not that some self apart from this, something I could be that's apart from this. It's just a very direct practice of, you know, whatever manifests is not to be clung to, subtle, gross. And though we can understand that in theory it's the graduated path of how do we how do we how do we get the mind to really learn that intimately on a reflex level? When you start with the training, you train it. You can't just give it a thought, an idea to train it. This is the life, holy life. You train it. Train it by being with things that we don't like or feel uncomfortable with. We train it with that. They don't go in there. You know it's going to hurt you. You train it with things that we are fond of. So you can have, don't hang on to it. It's going to hurt you. Sometimes you just have to go through the pain. Or something says, oh, okay, I'll give up. <laughs> I've had enough pain with that one. Give up. Give up fighting. Give up stubbornness. Give up pride. I just finally, it just hurts too much. Give it up. And, uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. You know, when you really finally grip that tiger, it, it fights back. But you've got to remember the faith the Buddha said, I wouldn't tell you, I wouldn't instruct you in this if you couldn't do it. I tell you, you can do it, otherwise I wouldn't teach it. If it didn't make you feel better, I wouldn't bother to tell you it. But it does. You can do it. Tiger's never going to tell you, oh, I'm just a little, this is easy, is it? It's always going to say, oh, you can't, it's impossible, you've got to be this, that, or the other before you can ever do this. The tiger's a pretty smart critter. So where's that voice? Where's that feeling? Where's that perception? Where's that sankara? This is the direct practice where we never become anything. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we'll be. We don't know this is going to work. But we know how to stop the doubt, how to directly apply ourselves rather than have something, be the doing of it, be the practice. And in that you start to feel some fluency, you start to feel some life, you start to feel some, yeah, I can running through you. Dhamma is starting to happen for you. This is, uh, yeah. So let's spend some, uh, 
this week together. It's time for when we can use this uh, confinement, this restraint, this gathering together to, you know, get a rope around our various tigers, the tigers of the heart. Know we all have them. Some sympathy, some compassion for each other. Don't mess with each other. Don't let your tigers get onto his tigers. And it's amazing, you know, when it's, it's amazing the results in just a few days of the cleaning out of that energy, you know, the diffusion, the softening of that energy. Then, that, then it becomes your strength. You're firm, you're grounded, you're not tossed around by the praise and blame and the hurts and, you know, of life. This is really where one really starts to feel the results, you know, this quality of unshaken, you know, akupa, broken, unshakable is the deliverance, broken off is the endless becoming. This is our, our aspiration, this is what the Buddha, these are Buddha expressions, and it's up to us to practice this patiently. <laughs>